This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Well, this is not our typical hump show for all of us. Some of us, some of us are still doing a face plant boom right into the hump. The middle show of the work week. Although it does feel atypical for me, too, only because my work on Monday was during the daytime and not (laughs) Sunday night into Monday. So I'm a little upside down. Tuesday was supposed to be a recovery day, but the dog was not having it. She does not like it when I try to sleep after 1 o'clock in the afternoon. She thinks that's a travesty and a personal insult. Uh, And so she was not having it in terms of the sleeping. Crazy enough, though, when I finally gave in and said, all right, Penny... I won't even try to sleep anymore. I give up. Then she starts yawning. Oh, okay. I see how you are. You keep me awake for three hours when I need to sleep. But the second I take care of what you need, then you start yawning and then you go back to sleep. The dog, seriously, the dog sleeps 18 hours a day. Just not those three hours when I really need her to. (laughs) Those are her awake hours. So I definitely feel like I did a face plant right into the middle show of the work week. We call it the hump show. We're always glad to have you with us after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. And here's why you need the Twitter or the Facebook. Named after the show. Really easy to find. Actually, Twitter is really easy to find, too, if you Google. If you Google it, we do not have producer Jay, of course, because he is on vacation with his family this week. So Carlos is here, but Carlos doesn't have access to our social media. Don't ask me why Jay didn't give him access to our social media, uh, but he, he doesn't have it. So instead of doing the typical posts that we put up for you all to send your questions for Ask Amy Anything, instead... We are going to uh, just have you send the questions to me, and I will freestyle it from the studio. If I see the questions, I like the questions. If I can answer the questions uh, quickly, I will, well, quickly. If I can answer the questions and it doesn't require me to think for a really long time, if I can do it off the cuff and stream of consciousness, then I will just bang, bang, bang through your questions. So you want to send them to my Twitter, ALAW Radio. I will put up a post on both Twitter and Facebook. I just got busy before the show and didn't have a chance to do it. So if you want to send your questions, you can just send it directly to me and I will read them on the air and answer them on the air as I read them. It won't be like what we normally do with the producer asking the questions, but it uh, should accomplish the same goal. We should be able to get your questions answered. And actually, it might come even quicker. The only thing, though, is if I don't like the question, I won't answer it. (laughs) Well, I don't get to choose when it's producer Jay who's picking the questions. He's the one who chooses, and I'm the one who gets put on the spot. But in this particular case... I will, like I said, answer the questions that I can get to most quickly so we can do more of a a rapid succession through this edition of Ask Amy Anything. 
So you can wait for the post or you can just send me your questions now. Uh, one more time, I just want to thank you all. I say one more time. I'm sure it'll be more than one. But I just want to say thank you all for your response and your kind words to not just my blog post about my new side gig, uh, but the number of you who think it's really funny that the students have to call me Professor Lawrence. And you all, you all sent me tweets and Facebook messages today. Uh, so that was funny. I saw it everywhere I looked. Professor Lawrence this, Professor Lawrence that. Yeah, it's going to be weird. In fact, I can imagine someone will say Professor Lawrence and I won't even respond to it because I, <laughs> because I won't at, at least immediately uh, have that programmed into my brain. I've responded to a lot of other things, so I, I'm sure I'll get used to that too. But yeah, it was it was a good opportunity, good experience. This is really funny. I, I seriously can't believe that it took me this long, but it did. I had so many family members and friends who knew that I would be speaking at my alma mater on Monday. And since many of them don't generally catch the show when it's live, uh, they all sent me texts. A lot of them asking me, how did it go? Uh, what was it like to be back on campus? How was it with the students? And also, <laughs> I had asked a bunch of people to pray that the room would be full because I was a little nervous that no one would show up. And then the woman who hired me would decide that it was a really bad mistake <laughs> and wouldn't want me to come back. Anyway, so it was standing room only. That part was great. And I owed a lot of people some responses as well as photos that I took. And so I got on the bike. I didn't really feel like working out. In, in fact, not at all, as in zero, zero desire to work out. And I'd been on the phone a bunch and really wasn't getting my emails answered. But I thought, okay, I'll get on the bike. I'll bike as long as it takes me to answer all these text messages. As it turned out, it took me nearly an hour <laughs> to go through all the texts from family and friends. So my immediate family, my niece had reached out to ask me how it went. And uh, my sister-in-law, my, my close friends who were all excited for me and had been praying about it. Uh, and so, yeah, it took me nearly an hour to answer the 20 or so text messages and to be able to... Uh, I, I answered one or two times and then I just did cut and paste, right? But also had to send photos and it it took me an hour. So that was my workout, responding to people in my own life who cared. And, and that's good because they not only let me know that they were thinking about me and that they were supporting and encouraging me, but also they care about my exercise indirectly. <laughs> so that was part of my Tuesday. It was just... One of those days where you kind of feel like you got hit by a Mack truck, but you just have to, to push your way through it. Some of you will feel that way on Wednesday, which is why it's called the hump day. For me, it's always Tuesday night into Wednesday. So we call it the hump show. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. But again, if you want me to answer your questions on this edition of ask Amy anything, then you will need to send them to me directly on social media. And as a side note, don't forget, or if you haven't heard this before, here is your, your friendly invitation. Well, Producer Jay's birthday is, uh, I think it's Saturday, actually. I'm not, I know the date. I just don't know the day of the week. Let me look real quick so I know. All right. Producer Jay's birthday is 
Oh, actually, it's Monday. So last year it was a Sunday. That makes sense. So he'll be coming back to work next week following the vacation. It'll be his birthday. And I don't know that we'll get to this number on our YouTube channel in time for his birthday. But he knows, he knows that I'm taking advantage of him being away to encourage people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. This makes him so happy. I don't know why. Well, because he's of a certain age. Uh, there are a lot of people who spend their lives watching YouTube as opposed to uh, standard TV, traditional TV, or uh, movies on an actual TV screen. Uh, he loves YouTube, and he spends a lot of time on YouTube. And he has done a lot of work on our YouTube channel, which I really appreciate, uh, he's made a major commitment to it. I told him that I would follow his lead because I don't love being on video. It's way outside my comfort zone. But we've done a really cool thing over the last year and a half in that our YouTube channel is alive. Uh, and we've not only got some of our favorite interviews, ones that we feel are the most compelling, like, for instance, our adopted Iditarod racer, Matt Pavelio, And he provided exclusive photos and videos to go along with this conversation. So his tale of the Iditarod, which is, it's so compelling and powerful and poignant. Uh, encounters with buffalo and moose and his story of his sled flipping over in the middle of an uh, just a storm that derailed a bunch of other racers. Uh, so his entire story, he told us in an hour here on the show and then we packaged it on YouTube with his own photos and videos. So that's the kind of great content that we're trying to throw in our YouTube channel, exclusive content that you won't be able to access anywhere else. The After Hours Chubby Bunny Championship, which, by the way, we will need to uh, organize for March. Uh, late February might be too early, so probably late March is when we'll do the next round the annual Chubby Bunny Championship. And last year's is on YouTube so that you can see it in all of its glory. We've also begun, and, and we're weaving it through the course of 2023, we've begun, well, we are extending what we call our Stairway to 7 series, where we pick a topic and we give you the top seven steps on our stairway. So Halloween candy was one of them. Junk in the trunk. Oh, my gosh. If you haven't seen what Jay keeps in his trunk, you really need to check that video out. Um, and our summer essentials. It won't be long until it's summer again. We did a Super 6 series for Super Bowl week, and two of those are on our Facebook page, two are on Twitter, but two are on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> the party snacks, our Super Bowl snacks video on YouTube, my family thinks is amazing. Don't ask me why. Well, because my family loves food. So there's all kinds of great stuff. Uh, several versions of Ask Amy Anything that are on our YouTube channel. All of that to say, Producer Jay is very proud of it. It's his personal project it's his baby and so as he returns following his vacation and celebrates his birthday I hope that you will please subscribe to our YouTube channel because not only does it make him happy but he promised that when we get to 4,000 subscribers on our YouTube page that he is going to eat 
Now, I call it a giant bowl of broccoli. He says just a standard bowl of broccoli, but since he doesn't eat broccoli and doesn't know what's gigantic versus standard, whatever, he's going to eat what what broccoli I give him. Uh, And that will definitely be on YouTube. Maybe not him eating with his mouth full, but the proof that he's eating his broccoli will definitely be on YouTube because I plan to film it. So, So what I need from you is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out some of the videos while you're there so that producer Jay can be healthier. He's not at all. The the man will be lucky if he has all of his teeth in 10 years because he eats a lot of candy and drinks a lot of soda. He might be a fifth grader trapped in a young man's body. And not even a young man. He's in his 30s. That's not really young man anymore. (laughs) So we need Jay to eat broccoli. He maybe eats vegetables once a year. I'm not exaggerating. The man does not eat vegetables. Maybe once a year in stir fry. That's really it. He does not eat vegetables. Uh, So while he's away, it's our attempt to make him healthier. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I tell him all the time I'm not your mom, but I am one of your best friends, and I really don't want you to die before you're 40. So can you eat some more vegetables, please? I'm not sure that is the right tactic, but I try. (laughs) So if you could just find YouTube, Google it, easy. Uh, We also take your responses on Facebook and Twitter. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So it's going to be a real good show, uh, if I do say so myself. And that's just based on topics. It's not even based on the fact that you have me as your host and that we will schlup our way through it, this hump show. But because we've got some cool subjects to hit and also some more serious subjects to hit. For instance... Michigan State basketball returns first home game for Tom Izzo's Spartans since the shooting on campus last week. And if you didn't know, the the third of the funerals for the three students who died was held earlier on Tuesday. And hours later, Coach Izzo is standing on the sidelines for a moment of silence as the Spartans host the Hoosiers of Indiana. And he's crying, of course. I I can imagine there were many emotional tears. A lot of people who had tears in their eyes or tears running down their cheeks. And Izzo says that he thought to himself, I am a lucky guy to be in this position. And I hope that we as a basketball team can provide a lift for the students who have been through so much. That was pregame. The atmosphere, electric. As we talked about last week, I had no doubt that when the Spartans got back in front of their home fans, that the fans, the campus, the community would be so unified and and would be coming together in a way that creates... some not it's not excitement it's energy it's a different type of energy when we're unified and when we're all standing together in support of a group of people of a group of victims of a particular cause so not only was the third student buried on tuesday 
But there was a moment of silence inside the arena. And the three victims, the five survivors who were in critical condition in the wake of the shooting, other victims and survivors who made it out of the buildings where the shootings took place, and then the first responders who helped to save lives on that day, who took quick action, those who transported victims to the hospital, who treated wounds, of course, those who searched diligently until they realized, until they found the shooter who had left campus and then took his own life. All of those people were honored before the game as well. And while it was a sober occasion, and it is serious and sad and unthinkable and impossible to forget or completely recover from if you were directly affected, as so many people were, sports have the power to heal because they bring us together. They give us a common bond and they give us a reason to expel that emotion. There's a togetherness always when we're cheering for our favorite teams, but then you add the emotion of a campus where there's been fear and anxiety and sadness, vigils. It's Hard to move forward, always. Anybody who's experienced a loss or grief, disappointment, a scare like that, it's hard to move forward. But it helps when you know you're not moving forward alone. And that's what was represented on this night in East Lansing, Michigan. That's what was represented in a basketball game. I don't always understand it. I just know that sports bring us together the way that very few occasions, very few opportunities ever do. So I want you to hear from Tom Izzo. Once again, emotional, authentic, sincere. The perfect man to help the campus express what it's feeling, but also to heal as best as they can. So you hear from the famed Hall of Fame Michigan State head coach coming up. Thank you for joining us for The Hump Show. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. After hours, we like you as much as you like us. Well, hi, Amy. Hi. First of all, Amy, I work nights and I listen to you every night, and your show's great. I love your show. You're very skilled at your craft, and I love your enthusiasm. You're part of my everyday routine. First time caller. Love it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. I actually just found your show tonight on Twitter, and I want to say you do a fantastic job. Love the show. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. 
They got back to basketball in East Lansing, Michigan. And before they tipped off uh, the Spartans and the Hoosiers in a Big Ten contest, it was emotional inside the arena where the victims of last week's shooting were honored, where the survivors were also named and honored, and where the first responders were there and heard the appreciation of the crowd and the fans who were on hand. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Michigan State won this game against Indiana, but it was on a a night like this where basketball is secondary. The score, the outcome, it's secondary. Though, of course, it helps that the Spartans were able to shake off a slow start and find a groove, and Tyson Walker had 23 points and really did fire up the crowd. I uh, saw a bunch of this game, and it was an electric atmosphere, a lot of energy, just emotion poured into supporting not just the team, but supporting the other people in the arena and recognizing how much of a blessing it is to have this campus that has come together over the past week plus. Of course, it wasn't easy. For Tom Izzo, he had tears in his eyes before the game as they're doing the moment of silence. He so desperately wanted his team to be a catalyst for hope and a catalyst for unity. And that's absolutely what happened. Somehow sports, whether it be basketball or any other, somehow sports bring us together in a way that nothing else really can. I am uh, honored to be a part of something. You know, there's dates that you always remember and um, unfortunately some of them are dates that are very negative and just the way it works but uh, today was a day that I think people will remember and uh, unfortunately last Monday was a day they'll remember I hope this one brought a little bit of a smile to some people's face he spoke pregame as well and indicated that his hope is for the the basketball to offer a collective hug for the basketball team to let the campus know or to make the campus feel as though they're not alone. You've got the man to your left, the woman to your right, the student to your left, the classmate to your right. And he talked so much last week at the vigil about taking care of one another, introducing yourself to the person next to you, recognizing they're going through something similar and that we need to support each other through this. And so as he's talking after the game, really it's not about the basketball. It's about the community. It's about what it means for them to all be together in that arena. I just think everybody did a hell of a job, and most of all, um, the fans, students, and the community. Um, I mean, it was wasn't a nine o'clock crowd game, wasn't a nine o'clock on a Thursday, on a Tuesday night crowd. Um, fans were <clears throat> unbelievable, and. Uh, I think it was, I saw Luana Simon the other day, and she gave me the, maybe a good quote. She says, Tom, you want to hug 15,000 people all the time? I said, yeah, I do. And uh, even more than that, she said, well, 
the way to hug 15,000 people is for your team to play well in front of them. And I thought that was uh, a damn good statement. And I told my team that. I said, if you want to make people feel better and you want to, you know, give them a hug, this is the way you give them a hug. So I hope all 15,000 people enjoyed the hug. Well, knowing the way that Tom Izzo leads his basketball team, that's not a surprise. The fact that he put this on his athletes because he he heard it from a fellow member of the Michigan State community. The best way to give this campus and this community a hug is to play well. Again, it doesn't really make sense. Face value. How is that even possible? That a basketball game, that a sporting event at all, could lift people up, and yet it does. We know that it does. And I think mostly because it brings us together, gives us a reason to smile, gives us a reason to feel that relief, maybe a little distraction. But also when you're talking about a tight-knit community like this one, Michigan State, East Lansing, to have all of that emotion inside the arena and to know, again, that you're not going through this alone because you can look around, you can see it, you can hear it. And according to Tom Izzo, you could feel it inside the arena. I swear to you, I, I was just happy for our people. I really was. I was happy for our team, but I was happier for our students. You know, some of them are scared to go back into the classroom. Some of them are worried about going into the dorms. Some of them are, you know, I tried to walk the campus today. Um, I went for a walk in the cold. My buddy Wickens back there and, uh, you know, just, just want to make people feel comfortable, you know, and, and I thought, um, here's one two hour period where maybe they forgot about all the things that they've had to deal with and they got a chance to enjoy. And that's what sports sometimes can do. It doesn't uh, take away all the pain, but it, it's like a, a little aspirin maybe for a couple hours. So I was just thinking of those people, and I just kept looking up at that top row. You know, Al McGuire once said, when the corners in an arena are filled, um, you're okay, you're good. Tom Izzo, the right man for this moment, for such a time as this. And he's shown this leadership for 40 years there on campus. Not only do young men follow him, but students and faculty members even, they look up to him, they respect him. Yes, because of his tenure and his ability to win, but because of how he coaches and trains and teaches young people and the lessons like these that you never want anyone to learn, but it is a part of life. And I do not mean campus shootings. I mean tragedy. I mean going through fire going through the pain of grief and loss and coming out the other side because that's what we have to do and you can't imagine a better man to lead the way back for this campus than Tom Izzo because again he's grieving too and he's real and he's authentic and he's sincere and everyone knows it everyone can see it they can hear it He cries along with the victims, families, with the survivors, with those who are hurting. He's taking a walk on campus so that he can not only see people in 
in this, this place that he loves so much, but just understand what people are going through. And that's what he speaks so powerfully about in the wake of the Spartans returning to basketball. And he had said last week that he believes it's important that to lead the way forward, sports will play a prominent role. And they do. They always do. So I really appreciate hearing from him, really appreciate the fact that he recognizes what's important and that he embraces these opportunities to give collective hugs, if you will. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. It's our hump show, middle show of the work week. You can send me your questions for Ask Amy Anything, which I will be reading and responding to off the cuff. So a little bit different this edition just because of our uh, being out of our regular routine. So whether it's Twitter or Facebook, and I'll put a post up, uh, but you don't need it. You can just send them to me. Now, coming up, we heard from Frank Reich on Tuesday about... The quarterback situation, kind of. Are they going to bring Derek Carr in for a visit? Because he's the one who's available right now. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Getting you to the good half of your week. It's the Hump Show on After Hours. It's our middle show of the work week. We call it the hump show. We've been calling it the hump show for a long time. Ever since we moved from three nights a week to five nights a week, actually. So we got some long running features here on the show, but you all seem to appreciate them. Maybe you can set your clock or your watch by them. Uh, So I've just put up a post on Twitter and I'll cut and paste and put it on Facebook here in a second. It's an atypical Ask Amy Anything. For those of you who are new to the show, well, then it won't mean anything to you. (laughs) This will feel like it's supposed to feel. Um, But what we generally do is have you submit your questions uh, in our suggestion box, essentially. Our bright orange box with the thought bubble. Gosh, I think it was... Isaac, who designed that graphic, and we've been using it for years, and it's it's great. Isaac or one of the original Toms who worked on the show, we've been using it for years, and we've used the same music going back to the show being on the weekends. So I think we originally started Ask Amy Anything on Saturday overnight, so we used to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, uh, and then we brought it with us when we moved to five nights a week. But it's always a producer who asks the questions. But because of our limitations this week and um, uh, Carlos not having the access to the social media and I can only do so much. So instead, I'm just putting a post up and you can submit your questions directly to me and I will read and respond to them on the air coming up a couple hours from now. So you have some time. I know we'd started putting the post up early so you could respond, but... There's a lot going on. I just wasn't on top of it. Uh, and so it's up now on Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Certainly a lot of questions surrounding the quarterback. I'll call it the chessboard this year. I usually go with carousel, but I've actually decided that I like chessboard because this year requires strategy. We have not heard anything from Aaron Rodgers, and that's just fine. 
Uh, not sure, though, if you saw the report that's out there. Now, take every report with a grain of salt, please. Because what do we know about reports when it comes to sources, anonymous or otherwise? They're not always accurate. So take everything that you see and hear and read with a grain of salt, especially this time of the year where there are agents or teams that will put misinformation out there knowing that it will get picked up so that it potentially increases traffic for their client or decreases traffic around another client. It's it's very strategic. But according to Bob McGinn, who's covered the Packers for decades, the team is ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Now, that may not be a huge surprise. But according to Bob, who was on a podcast with Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com. I've never heard of the website. Again, take everything with a grain of salt. It's why I'm putting the credit out there so you don't think that I'm making this up because I don't have this insider knowledge. Bob McGinn with Tyler Dunn, who's been a guest on the show before, golongtd.com. And I'll read you the quote, because we don't have the audio, but I'll read you the quote. McGinn says the Packers are done with Rodgers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him, and they're done with him, and they're moving on. McGinn says one more thing. He's totally convinced. That was the phrase. He's totally convinced that Rodgers won't be back in Green Bay as the starter. Now, I'm just going to tell you the sources that he gives. You can consider this valid. You cannot. I'm just the messenger. McGinn cites his own instincts. So it's a gut feeling essentially, is what he's saying, as well as his knowledge of the league and, quote, discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of the Packers. Now, what did we hear from Aaron Rodgers last week? If you're not in his inner circle, you don't know Jack. I'm paraphrasing. But the thing is, this would be a Packers decision. Now, the question becomes, are they ready to cut him? Are they going to try to trade him? If the entire league knows that Aaron Rodgers is available, you could imagine that there would be teams out there who would offer a handsome package to try to get in front of the line, to try to cut the line, so to speak. Now, bringing it back to... The Panthers and Frank Reich and the, the QB chessboard that I teased. Here's a scenario, yo. What if the Jets really want Aaron Rodgers? Derek Carr's their backup plan. Do they wait on Rodgers? Wait on the Packers? And know that if they swing and miss... Swing and a miss. If they swing and miss, some of these other quarterbacks could be unavailable by the time they get back to Derek Carr. Or 
if they don't pull the trigger on a, a deal with Carr, and he knows it's because they're waiting on Aaron Rodgers first, what does that do? How does that relationship then become productive? Unless he doesn't care. I mean, if, if Carr has no ego and doesn't care that the team is waiting on Rodgers before they would take a shot with him, then fine. But I'm telling you most quarterbacks would. Now, Carr's younger. He would probably expect a longer commitment than, say, a, a, a Aaron Rodgers. And he's not going to take a pay cut either, right? He's, he's not going to take a hometown discount to go somewhere else when there are multiple teams that are available. So QB chessboard it is. After hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, Frank Reich was asked about the quarterback situation in Carolina as he had his second press conference with the Panthers on Tuesday and specifically... We all want to know whether or not he plans to bring in Derek Carr for a visit. Really, literally sitting down with the guys today for staff, first staff meeting will be tomorrow. But I've kind of met with guys individually saying, okay, here's what we're doing. First step, step one, let's evaluate our roster. You know, so we're really just starting that process. So step two, evaluate the free agents. You know, we, they, everybody got their list, okay? Um, step three. Now, you know, going to the college guys. So that process has literally begun. So really not ready to address the specifics of that because we're really just beginning. So he's taking the big picture approach. I'm building my coaching staff. We haven't even started the evaluation on players, but we will. And that includes everything. We start with our own guys. We go to potential free agents. Then we're looking drafts. So, yeah, he's taking the long view. But that's his answer to, are you going to bring in Derek Carr for a visit? Now, I suspect if they look at their quarterbacks first, which teams do, and they believe that they could get Derek Carr if they throw their hat into the ring, then they're likely not going to wait that long. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Frank is, as I say, filling out his coaching staff. And one of the men that he has brought in, now he's brought in some guys with a lot of experience, including former head coaches, to join him on this Panthers staff. Jim Caldwell, who is now a senior assistant to Frank Reich and the coaching staff and the Panthers at 68 years old and major headlines on Tuesday when he revealed that he's, at least for now, giving up on the thought of ever being a head coach in the NFL again. First of all, I think oftentimes in your career, you got to do resets once in a while, right? And so right now, the only thing I'm concerned about is the job that I do here, right here and now. I'm not worried about the future or anything else. I don't plan on being a head coach from this point forward, um, but my focus is on doing the absolute best job for this organization at this particular point in time. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't look any further. Now, some of the younger guys, it's a little bit different, right? Um, but me at the, my uh, you know, station in life, um, you know, I, I, I want to be, be as good as I can possibly be in this setting. Caldwell was fired, as Lions fans will remember, after the 2017 season. Since then, he's interviewed with six, seven teams in the NFL, including both the Panthers and Broncos this season. So he interviewed for the same job that Frank Reich ended up with. 
Reich hires him to be a senior assistant, and he'll report on all phases of the game. Right, so he's giving him a position of honor. He's giving him a position with a lot of input. And I feel as though Frank Reich is extremely wise. He's smart. He recognizes that the more good people, experienced people, veterans with a lot of wisdom that you put around you, the better to try to pull the Panthers out of this hole they've been in going back to the end of Cam Newton, really the end of the demise of Cam as their starting quarterback, the firing of Ron Rivera, then the hiring of Matt Rule, the firing of Matt Rule, then, of course, the interim job done by Steve Wilkes. The players really liked him a lot. They played hard for him. They were in the running for the NFC South title until week 17, I believe. And so Frank is taking over now a third head coach under, well, fourth, if you consider Ron Rivera, but he was grandfathered in, under David Tepper. And so Frank is trying to put really good people around him. But Jim says, when I didn't get a head coaching job, I immediately changed my mindset, changed the plan. I knew I was at the stage where I wanted to be back in the building somewhere. And he also speaks about the numbers of black head coaches and how they speak for themselves. He says there's been volumes and volumes of articles written and reporting on television about the lack of diversity. And he does say that there is a lot going on in the background attempting to change that. So he gives the league credit for that. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio.